Hey, what's up, my beautiful loves? This is a documentary by for Taylor Swift called American Beauty. So here we go. Swift has accomplished a lot for a girl her age. She has broken down genre barriers and become the youngest superstar the Country Music Association has seen. Her autobiographically based tunes and love of her fans has earned her a very special place in the heart of many young people who made her a record-breaking pop hit. From humble beginnings, she rose to become a chart-topping, award-winning musician. Now, she is taking her career in new directions as a performer and an entrepreneur. America and the world are watching Taylor Swift to see where she is headed next and hoping she stays the same hopeless romantic through the trials of being a celebrity. Taylor Allison Swift was born in 1989 in a small town called Wyoming, Pennsylvania to all American parents. Her mother, Andrea Gardner, was a housewife and her father, Scott Swift, worked as a stockbroker. Gardner's mother, Marjorie Finley, was a professional opera singer, proof of a musical streak in the family line, and a major influence for her famous granddaughter. The oldest of two children, Taylor showed a creative streak from a young age. An avid writer, she won a national poetry contest in the fourth grade for a three-page poem entitled Monster in My Closet. It was clear that she was already more focused on her creative potential as a child than most people are in adulthood. Before she wrote songs, she wrote poems, stories, and kept a journal, something she has never stopped doing. Swift's journaling helped her form a uniquely introspective songwriting style. At the age of 12, most children spend their summers playing or out at camp. Swift spent her 12th summer writing a 300-page novel, which she currently has no plans to publish. To say she was prolific would be an understatement. Swift's love of poetry met with her love of country music to inspire her as a child. Play this for mommy. Sure thing, sweetie. Her parents shared the queens of country with her, like Dolly Parton, Patsy Cline, and Loretta Lynn as well as contemporary country songstresses such as Faith Hill, the Dixie Chicks, and Leanne Rimes. I wish I was on as a girl, she quickly took to singing along with the ladies of Nashville. By the age of 10, she knew that more than anything, she wanted to be a country star 
and at 11, recorded a demo, which consisted of her singing songs by the Dixie Chicks and Leanne Rhymes. All the bills and Leanne Rhymes influenced Taylor because when she was little, she went to one of her concerts when she was starting to be really big. And she got a backstage pass and was watching Leanne Rhymes perform and looked at her mom and said, Mom, I want to be a country singer. Taylor saw her as another young artist that really took off in the pop charts and country and in the whole music scene, really. And Taylor really saw her as kind of like, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. The kind of songs that inspired Taylor Swift, she listened to a lot of Shania Twain, Tim McGraw, Leanne Rhymes, and there's a specific song that she really liked to listen to uh, by Tim McGraw called Can't Tell Me Nothing. Around this time, she took her vocal talents on the road and competed in karaoke contests and talent shows at festivals and fairs. She looked for any opportunity for a chance to showcase her singing skills and get herself into the spotlight. Fortunately for Swift, her parents were not only understanding, but very supportive of her dream to become a country music star and took her to Nashville with her demo disc. Determined to make it in the business, she dropped off a copy at every record label she could find. Unfortunately, no one was interested in her sound or what she had to offer. Honey, I know it's hard, but you shouldn't worry. Okay, they may not be interested in your CD right now, but you are way too talented to ignore. Next time you're going to make more progress. Right? Don't forget, you have a whole life of talent ahead of you. Success just needs to catch up. Being only 11 was a major disadvantage for Swift in Music City. Country music generally tends to be less youth-oriented than other genres of popular music. In the beginning, they all said that she was too young, and there's no way that they would sign it. As discouraging as this was, she was determined to make Nashville her home and country her career. Returning to Pennsylvania to finish junior high, Swift found opportunities to perform, including a chance to sing the national anthem at the U.S. Open, a prestigious tennis event. Swift sang the Star-Spangled Banner at any venue where they needed someone to sing it, as she knew that she was guaranteed a focused audience. When Taylor was younger, to get into singing, she decided that the best way to get seen was singing the national anthem. So she sang from local sporting events and fairs and everything just to get her start. Performing at all these events, that is really where the soul of country comes from, is performing for the people. Her biggest break was at Bloomsburg at the fair, and she sang her karaoke songs, and the audience just absolutely loved it. It was at age 12 that young Taylor got the final tool in the country songwriter kit, the guitar. Taylor, honey, Ronnie's here to fix your computer. On what would have otherwise been an ordinary day, a computer repairman stopped by the Swift house to fix their computer. Having just gotten done performing, he had his guitar slung over his shoulder, like the cowboys of country western legend. You play? You want to learn? All right. 
It starts with three simple chords, okay? G, C, G. Give it a shot. Go ahead there. These elemental chords, the building blocks of all forms of popular music, were just enough information to click with Swift. That evening, she locked herself in her room and wrote her first song entitled, Lucky You. A simple pop song about a girl who didn't fit in with her peers, but whose mother told her she was special. Swift recorded the song, but never released it, although it did find its way onto the internet. Her song, Lucky You, it's kind of like, when you listen to it, you kind of feel like there's two young kids holding hands, skipping and running down the street, and it's just like, happy-go-lucky. And that was what she recorded when she was 15. That potential soon became kinetic, as the second song she wrote, The Outside, made its way onto her first record. It didn't take long for her to pick up songwriting as her favorite and most accomplished form of writing. She came to realize that she could put all of her thoughts, feelings, and experiences to music. She developed a style that was autobiographical, thoughtful, and reflective. She received her first guitar as a Christmas present, not long after she learned how to play the instrument. She would lock herself in her room and practice until her fingertips were calloused or bleeding. She learned to play a 12-string guitar, a difficult instrument that is often played by country guitarists. Taylor likes to perform with Taylor guitars. She's always, she was fascinated that there was a guitar with her name on it. So she's performed with those all her life, and she has specific ones that she always performs on stage with, like her silver sparkly one that she loves. She's got one that she plays to write songs with. It's got this little blue fish on it. And then she's got, she's got a really sparkly one, which is like really awesome. And she has one that's covered with pearls too, which I don't know, that thing must be really heavy. She's got electric. She also plays electric guitar, slide guitar. I mean, steel guitar, I've seen her play. And she also has a 12-string guitar, too, which she's very proficient at as well. In between recording the songs of her idols and singing at karaoke contests, Swift spent her time writing songs. It helped her through the isolation and rejection she faced in school. Like many teens in America, she was a victim of bullying in middle school and high school. She was outcast due to her quiet, artistic nature, as well as her love of country music, which was atypical for a teen. This gave her plenty of material for her music. I think she had to grow up, grow up fast from her childhood because she was picked on a lot. And I, I came from a, a bullying experience, and it makes you grow up really quickly. And you have to have some kind of uh, outlet to express yourself. So thankfully, she uh, chose her outlet to be music and writing. What makes Taylor Swift so strong is the fact that she doesn't allow people in their words to, like, tie her down. It, like, doesn't matter. Like, to this day, she's bullied by other artists, and nobody can tell her anything to stop her, you know? She's, she's rock solid. Taylor's songwriting is that of life experiences. You can really listen to her songs and get a feel for her growing up. You can feel for her way she felt towards different people and the way she felt about different situations. And it's really relatable because it's real life situations. And I think that's one major thing that her fans can identify with.
Despite the isolation she felt, Swift remained a romantic. She was fascinated by fairy tales and stories of romantic intrigue. She developed crushes and wrote songs about the boys she liked and the boys who broke her heart. Her favorite songs were the ones about interpersonal and romantic relationships and human interaction. She emulated these stories and formulas in her own writing. She kind of writes like she's writing in a diary. So if you listen to her songs, it's almost like you're reading her personal writings of things that are going on in her life. It's like you feel like that song is was written for you. You feel like the song is a part of you. At 13, she got her first positive response to her demo. RCA saw potential and signed her for a one-year development deal. This gave her the resources to work on her songs with the intention of eventually putting out an album. It was her first step towards musical fame. Her time at RCA gave her an opportunity to work with songwriters who became more like writing partners than coaches for Taylor. Liz Rose, a professional songwriter originally from Texas, worked very closely with Swift. Rose co-wrote several of the songs that would eventually rocket Swift to fame. I just don't know how to finish it. Let's take a look. Okay. So you've definitely got a story here, right? It's about this couple. Right, but it's like, I just don't know if I should leave it kind of open-ended or I should just tell what happens to them. Good question. Okay, so you're writing about a very specific part of this couple's interaction, though. I mean, that's what... Right, that's what their song is about. It's about how their relationship's not so specific or manufactured exactly and you have to acknowledge that you need to create an ending that's satisfying for the listener but that leaves enough room at the end of the song for their world to continue even after the song's over Hmm. what if i did something like took some lines from the first verse and kind of tied it into the last verse to show, like, the cycle of them sneaking out, continuing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Couldn't have thought of anything better myself. The young girl's work as a songwriter got her noticed by professionally contracted songwriters working for famous publishing houses in Nashville. She signed with RCA, but only as a artist development process, which meant that they would work with her and try to get her to make an album, but they weren't going to let her record her own songs. And she didn't like that. She's always wanted to write and record her own songs. Taylor actually walked away from RCA um, because they weren't giving her enough musical freedom. And she knew that she wanted to write her own songs. She didn't want to do anyone else's. She didn't want to give her lyrics away for someone else to sing. So RCA just became an issue and she walked away completely from him. RCA and Taylor Swift didn't blend because they wanted to keep her with this artist development deal, which would really tie her down as far as management and publishing goes. It's a garden, it's a kitchen, it's a place. <laughs> food has eyes in the face. <laughs> 
sensitive skin. We switch to New Tide plus Downy Free. It's gentle on our skin and dermatologist recommended. New Tide Pods plus Downy Free. Safe for sensitive skin with eczema and psoriasis. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on every purchase, every day. Objection! My credit card doesn't earn double miles on every purchase. I object to your objection. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on every purchase. Order. And may it please the court, earn 100,000 bonus miles when you spend $20,000 in your first year. I'll allow it. No further questions, Your Honor. Well, just one. What's in your wallet? Eventually, she convinced her parents that Nashville was the place she needed to be. Taylor, honey, can we talk to you? Yeah, is something wrong? No, not at all. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, your mother and I have been looking for a house near Nashville. We've actually been looking for some time. We just didn't want to get your hopes up until we found something more solid. <laughs> And while your mother's been taking you to RCA, I've been working with an agent to get us a place there. Seeing as music is your passion, and you seem to be doing well at it, we want to support you. So, it's official. We're moving to Tennessee after <laughs> the end of the school year. I've enrolled you in Hendersonville High, so um, it's going to be a struggle. You're going to have to work really hard to keep your grades up. I will, Mama, I will. I mean... Nashville is where I need to be. Thank you. <laughs> the family uprooted itself from the Christmas tree farm in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, and moved to their new home in Nashville. Father Scott, Mother Andrea, and little brother Austin shifted their lives with the belief that Taylor's talent would take her to the top. Nashville is the capital of songwriting, and I've her being a writer, I'm sure that she was influenced by a lot of great songwriters around her and going to uh, different performances each night and being around other uh, really good musicians. And I think that uh, country music in general is more uh, is more based on writing, is more writing and writing based uh, and lyric based as Pop music tends to be more about the beats, more about beats and rhythms, and Nashville is definitely a lot more about the, the written word. Taylor didn't relate to the other songwriters at first. She thought that she would go in there and they would think, oh, great, I'm writing with a 14-year-old today. But what she did was she came in with five to ten ideas that were completely solid and it would show them that they're not just writing with a kid, they're with a professional songwriter. It's very uncommon for a young 14-year-old girl to come with all of these amazing lyrics and say, here's my work and I want to sing them. By day, Taylor Swift was an average high school student. She got straight A's and tried to fit in with her peers. By night, she was a wannabe country starlet. She even found herself on stage at the Bluebird Cafe singing her original tunes. Hello? Hi, Taylor. This is John with Sony. Hi. I just want to tell you, I want to offer you the opportunity to work with us. 
Understand, this is not something we typically do for someone of your age. Um, but do you want me to write songs for other people? Because I don't think I can do that. I mean, my songs are really personal. At the mere age of 14, Swift was hired by Sony ATV Tree Publishing House as a staff writer. This was a particularly fantastic feat, as the songwriting industry in Nashville is not only a very grown-up industry, but also fairly male-dominated. Yet there was Swift, talented, eager to work, and the youngest writer ever to join the team. Thank you. By this point, she had found her way into another record contract. When Swift was 13, her demo had made its way into the hands of industry insider Scott Borchetta, who had just formed his own label, Big Machine Records. It was just really hard working with RCA because they just wouldn't let me put out any of my own stuff. I really want to work with you to get a record out as soon as possible. Could take a year, could take three, but I want to spend that time working to actually achieve a goal. Your sound is too good not to. I can't help but be slightly hesitant. You say Taylor is the first artist that you're signing? We may be a brand new label, Ms. Gardner, but we're going to be able to give Taylor a hundred times the attention any of the major labels ever could. Mama, I, I want to do it. I mean, even if you can't make me a star just yet, I just want to put out a record. You know, that's all I really want to do. Okay, honey, we can do this, but if anything goes wrong, we're pulling out of the contract immediately. Signing with a brand new label was a gamble, but Borchetta was just the man to help her make her dream come true. Scott Borchetta, the CEO of Big Machine Records, um, really, really let Taylor grow. I think that because what Scott Borchetta did, she was able to become who she is because he actually gave her a lot of artistic freedom. And also, on top of that, let her bring in studio managers of her liking. He actually kind of discovered Taylor in this Bluebird Cafe. And he had just started the Big Machine Records. And he took her under his wing, produced her first album. She got Grammy, and he got national recognition for it. So that upped his, you know, he went, he went from here to here, having Taylor Swift under his belt. At just 16 years old, Swift released her first record. The self-titled freshman effort was comprised primarily of original country tunes, co-written with Liz Rose. But when you think Tim McGraw, hope you think of me. Her single, Tim McGraw, came out in the middle of 2006 months before the full-length record, and became an instant hit. At its peak, the song hit number six on the Billboard Hot Country charts and remained in the charts for weeks. Not a bad start for an average American teenager. Taylor Swift really related with other songwriters and singers, especially um, with the Dixie Chicks. She really loved they stretched boundaries sure. they weren't afraid to do something different and that's what taylor wanted she wanted to do something different nobody else had done before she has been able to, to cross over to pop but yet maintaining the integrity of country and soul music what sets her apart is the fact that she she really comes 
from a place of love and caring for other people and just wanting to be able to like be personable and that's what is so unique about her writing the long play album taylor swift debuted in october of 2006 and made serious waves its first week out of the press the record sold 39,000 copies and was fairly high on the billboard top 200 list which covers all genres of pop music Taylor Swift saw the number one spot on the Billboard Country Albums chart and made its way to the fifth spot on the Billboard 200. It continued to make country music history by staying in the number one spot on the country charts for 24 weeks. Before Taylor's record, the only other artists who had managed to keep an album at the top of the chart for over 20 weeks were the Dixie Chicks and American Idol star Carrie Underwood. Clearly, Swift was getting to be a household name for country fans. The industry recognized her quick rise to fame as well. The video for Tim McGraw became part of a GAC Shortcuts documentary piece that also told the story of her journey to find her way into country stardom. It also won the award for Breakthrough Video of the Year at the Country Music Television Awards. She was praised. She was praised by most critics. Everyone was like, wow, where is this girl been hiding? Who is this? This is awesome. Um, they, I think the critics knew that she was going to be a big hit with the teens. I think that critics in general have responded to Taylor Swift uh, rather favorably because she, she's one of the more genuine artists, I think, because she speaks from her heart and her soul. And people just love her because of her realness. I, I think that's what it really is, is. She's so honest and she's open and real about, like, everything. By 2007, she had begun to tour with established country superstars. She opened for Faith Hill, Rascal Flatts, George Strait, Brad Paisley, and the namesake for her first hit, Tim McGraw himself. Her second single, Teardrops on My Guitar, hit the airwaves and also the charts. It peaked at number two on the Country Hot 100 and 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. A pop remix of the song brought it back to the charts at 13 on the Hot 100 and 11 on the Pop 100. Two more singles, Our Song and Picture to Burn, found their way into the charts as well. Before 2007 was over, Taylor Swift went back into the studio and recorded Sounds of the Season, the Taylor Swift Holiday Collection, a holiday-themed record. A fitting decision, as Christmas is her favorite holiday. This was released during the winter exclusively at Target stores across the nation and was gobbled up by her fans. The Nashville Songwriters Association International presented Swift with the title Songwriter Artist of the Year. She became the youngest person to ever win that award, which celebrated her involvement in the industry as a songwriter, not just a performer. For a young star to be more than a face and a voice, but the lyrical talent behind their music is unique in the world of pop music, and also in the country industry, where wannabe songwriters go looking for their big break as often as wannabe singers. The 2008 Grammys rolled around, and Swift was nominated in the category of Best New Artist. The competition was fierce that year, and the award went to Amy Winehouse, whose sound was a brand of neo-R&B that was praised by fans and critics alike. Unlike Winehouse, though, Swift was bound to wind up back in the running for a Grammy again. 
During her rapid rise to fame, Taylor Swift left Henderson High School just outside of Nashville, which she had been attending, as she could not record, tour, and make perfect attendance at the same time. She did not stop her education, though. She continued to be homeschooled by her parents throughout what would have been her junior and senior years of high school. Swift earned a high school diploma in 2008 and managed to keep her straight-A record intact while on the road. Taylor became homeschooled her senior year of high school, and she actually enjoyed it. She thought it was a blessing in disguise. She really enjoyed her music, so that allowed her to focus on that as well as her school because she did graduate, of course, Um, and she felt that it was a step in the right direction for her career and also educationally. Although she found admirers across various demographics, teenage girls made up the majority of her fan base. Swift has made it a point to be especially gracious with regards to her fans. She developed a very open relationship with her fan base, even stating herself that the line between friend and fan is blurry. A humble star, she recognizes that without them, she wouldn't have been able to make it as far as she did. This honest relationship with the fans continues to be a staple of her persona and her image as her career grows. She just seems so sweet, you know what I mean? Just so real. Yeah, I know. I think that if she went to our school, she'd hang out with us. Well, it's like it's like she knows exactly what we're going through, you know what I mean? Well, of course she does. I mean, she is our age. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What? Did I tell you? I think I found Drew on MySpace. Shut up. Like tears on my guitar, Drew? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's really that cute. She can do so much better than him. I cannot believe that you found him. Well, how many dudes can there be in Hendersonville? Yeah, I guess you're right. She's so pretty. I really, really hope that she finds someone to treat her like a princess. I think that's what we all want for her and for ourselves. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking for my Prince Charlie. It's just good to know that we're not alone, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you watch her latest video blog? God, of course. I check it every day. I just, I love how much she shares with her fans, you know? She doesn't care that she doesn't know any of us. We're her friends anyways. Yeah, I mean, all these other stars, they're turning on celebrity and they start ignoring their fans. Mm, not her. She's a real girl. proved to be a year full of triumphs and major life changes. Swift spent her first year out of school in the studio, on the road, and in the public eye. She released two records to the delight of her fans. The first, which came not long after the ending of high school, was an EP by the name of Beautiful Eyes. Although sold exclusively at Walmart, Beautiful Eyes sold 45,000 copies. It debuted at number one on the country charts and number nine on the Billboard 200. With her self-titled first record still at the top of the charts, she made history by being the first artist to hold the top two spots on the Billboard Top Country at one time. Closer to the end of the year, the much-anticipated Fearless was released to record-breaking sales. Selling nearly 600,000 copies, Fearless was the highest-selling debut of a country record, or any record by a female artist in 2008. It came in fourth for the highest-selling debut that year, right behind hip-hop star Lil Wayne, rock legends ACDC, and perennial favorites Coldplay. 
129,000 of those copies were purchased digitally, making it the highest-selling digital first week for a country record. Dentro de cada vehículo que lleva la insignia Honda, va la capacidad de impresionar. A la altura de lo que venga, con el gran desempeño de la Honda Pilot, la Passport y la Ridgeline.
of the unfortunate relationship came a major hit, forever and always, and a step forward in Swift's career. He kind of dumped her. And it was like a 25-second phone call, and she let everyone know about it. And of course, as Taylor does, she wrote a song about it, forever and always. So she also warns, she warns everyone she dates, hey, things aren't good. You're going to get a song written about you. That's one of her trademarks. So I, uh, I, I think Jonas knew what was coming to him. Swift became a major fashion icon and celebrity face of the year. <laughs> She was on the covers of various big-name fashion magazines. She became the second country artist to make it to the cover of the rock magazine Blender. She was named Cosmo Girls Girl of the Year and was listed in People's 100 Most Beautiful People. She even made it to Maxim's 100 Sexiest Women. She continued to make appearances in People and Maxim's list the next two years as well. Her face became a feature for LEI jeans as she became their spokesperson. Her face also made its way onto a doll. Jack Specific included her in their celebrity doll line. America's favorite pretty girl next door had now a miniature version of herself. Fans who felt that Taylor was close to their heart now had a way of taking her home with them. Among other celebrities, Joe Jonas also found his way into being a doll. In 2008, it was hard to look anywhere without seeing Taylor Swift. She was the it girl for both country and pop music. Change, another track from Fearless, was featured as part of the soundtrack for the 2008 USA Olympic team. October saw her performing with Def Leppard at a recorded show in Nashville. This wound up bringing recognition to both fans for the crossover collaboration. She even got to sing the Star-Spangled Banner at the third game of the World Series in her home state of Pennsylvania. She came into 2009 swinging and kicked off the year with a six-month tour beginning in February. The Fearless Tour took her to 52 cities. Crowds of screaming fans greeted her in every town. Swift made sure to keep ticket prices relatively low often starting at $20, so that anyone who wanted to come see her could do so. She continued to develop a positive give and take with her multitudes of fans. I think the Fearless Tour was really what showed me how to be a headliner. Uh, I kind of drew on my musical theater background, and I divided the show up into like three acts. So the first act is where the band and the dancers and the costumes are introduced. And you probably wouldn't even really realize it, but there are actually 72 individual costume changes that go on throughout one concert. Um, and I think that costume changes are really there to help tell the audience how I see the songs in my head. Um, and then we go on to the second act. And the second act is kind of the more acoustic part of the show. And I show up at the back of the area and I'll go through songs like 15 and Tim McGraw. And it's really a fun part of the show for me because I really get to just meet people. I get to say hi and give them hugs. And I really get to tell them 
what I wrote the songs about. And then the curtain goes up and we're at act three and it is just a full on production. We've got love story and costume changes. And then we have the rain machine. And the really cool thing about the rain machine is that it actually spells out the words that I'm singing as I'm singing them. When I think of the fearless tour, I could probably say that it was one of the golden ages of my life. Every concert, it's just, it's all about love. And that's what people are gonna find is, they're gonna realize that, you know, love's not just this crazy feeling, it's always changing, like she said. It's never the same, it's an adventure, it's frustrating, but you always learn something and you're always growing. And I think that's what she's gonna be able to teach to her fans and the world. I don't think she's just going to do music. She's gonna do far more. Like her purpose in life, she's bringing people together. She's bringing therapy into people's lives who've been hurt because she's been hurt. And I just see like her being able to be part of this movement maybe for young girls young women that just you know wakes them up to say hey you're awesome you're amazing live your dreams although past her high school days the teen idol continued to give back to her adolescent admirers that april she gave a free private concert for the students at a catholic high school in alexandria virginia the students of Bishop Ireton High School won the opportunity to see her in such an intimate setting by sending over 19,000 text messages to Verizon Wireless in their Text to Win contest. The national contest had students all over America furiously texting over the duration of a month for the grand prize, having Swift perform in their school. The hour-long set she played during their field day may not have been particularly lengthy, but it was a thrill for the students who worked so hard to win. The Academy of Country Music honored Swift for her vast accomplishments in such a short span of time. She was given the award of Album of the Year for being a writer, producer, and performer on Fearless. They celebrated the fact that she brought young people to country music, had a major crossover hit, and sold the most country records in 2008. Swift became the youngest person to win the Academy's Album of the Year Award. The mainstream award circuit gave her accolades as well. She was invited to sing at the MTV Video Music Awards and was the first country artist to win a VMA. The night of the awards was a major step forward in her crossover career. Her name was brought into another vein of pop culture, but not through positive means. As Swift began her acceptance speech for the award of Best Music Video by a Female Performer, she found herself interrupted. Kanye West, famous for not only his talent, but also his tendency to say and do outlandish things, grabbed the microphone from her. He made the announcement that although her video was good, Beyonce's video for her hit tune Single Ladies Put a Ring on It was one of the best of all time. Swift was so shocked and humiliated that she was unable to finish her speech and ran off the stage. When Beyonce won for Video of the Year, she was kind enough to invite Taylor to share the stage with her in order to give the girl a chance to finish her speech. When Kanye West snatched the mic from Taylor Swift when she was getting her award, 
The public was shocked, of course, or thought it was just another Kanye West antic. But then they looked at her, and I think they started to feel sorry for her, and they sympathized with her. And I think she came more of America's girl and kind of this innocent um, woman that worked so hard to get where she is, and it kind of getting trashed by, you know, breaking up in the middle of it by Kanye West. I think the pu- in the public's eye, they really started to feel for her. You don't get up when somebody's just won an award and totally just like, you know, take their moment. Like, you just don't do that. She just handled that that horrible moment with such grace and didn't get angry or didn't lose her composure at all. Even despite the shock that she was in, she just had this poise. You know, she could have lashed out. She could have said something. But she's able to, like, keep it in. I don't know how she did that. I think she handled that with such grace and dignity that it actually catapulted her up to the top because people just had a whole new respect for her. The incident went viral on the Internet and became the joke of the year. People who had never listened to Swift's music now knew her name. Celebrities spoke up for Swift and chided West. Even President Obama said in an off-the-record comment that he thought West was a jackass. West apologized on his blog, but soon took down the entry that included the apology. She didn't let the incident keep her from continuing on with her career, though. In October of 2009, she announced on her website that the Fearless Tour would continue, hitting another 37 towns in 2010. The awards also continued to flood in. November brought her the Country Music Association Award for Entertainer of the Year. She became the youngest person in the history of the association to win the award, and only the sixth woman to receive it. She broke the record for most songs on the chart in one week, surpassing Miley Cyrus, and broke Beyonce's record for the most top 40 singles by a female artist in the first decade of the new millennium. In 2010, she released the song Today Was a Fairy Tale as part of the soundtrack for the movie Valentine's Day, which provided her with a big moment on the big screen. The song sold a record number of digital copies in the first week and went on to become her first number one hit in Canada. I think Taylor likes to act, but I don't think it's a strong focus. She was in Valentine's Day. Um, That was her first feature film, and she actually played a, a pretty big role. I think, but it was fun to watch and see her in a different light, and uh, she liked it, but I think music is, is going to be her number one thing. Taylor has been in the movie Valentine's Day. She's been on CSI, and she's done Saturday Night Live. It's not much of a focus for her. I mean, she loves doing it, but it's not her top priority as singing is. She continued to tour the world on the Fearless Tour, but also wound up in the studio recording her third full-length record. It was also the first record for which she was the exclusive songwriter. The lead single, Mine, managed to leak its way onto the internet before its official release date. The buzz around it was so strong that Big Machine Records decided to push the release date up. When the record itself, Speak Now, was released in October of 2010, it went triple platinum in the United States, selling over 3 million copies. My album is called Speak Now. And initially, it's based off a song that I wrote called Speak Now. And, you know, it's kind of centered around this moment 
in a wedding when the preacher says, if anyone does not want this couple to be wed, speak now or forever hold your peace. And I think it's an incredible metaphor for a lot of situations that we find ourselves in in life where we almost wait until it's too late to say how we really feel. Speak Now got a generally positive critical reception, as the press saw it as a more mature version of what Swift has been doing with her previous recordings. Rumors swirled around two of the songs from Speak Now. Dear John and The Story of Us are alleged to have been inspired by singer-songwriter John Mayer, whom Swift recorded a duet with earlier in the year. People speculated on whether they had briefly dated around their time in the studio together and what had happened between them. Since then, Swift has spent most of her time on tour, aside from a brief period when she had bronchitis and was told by her doctor that she mustn't perform. Her tour, Speak Now, it's like this huge, elaborate, like, magical escape into this place where you can just feel free to be whoever you are. And and Taylor, she she gets to, like, come alive in this spirit of, like, like being a, almost like a princess. And I believe that, you know, within her heart, mine as well, like, there's this idea that you don't deserve to be treated like anything else but a princess. And you shouldn't allow anybody or nothing that they say, nothing that they do, no bullying. Just like, you don't have to let that keep you from, you know, living out your dreams. She is the face of CoverGirl and is working with LEI Clothing to create a line of girls' apparel for Walmart, inspired by her own fashion sense. She has even recently paired with Givaudan to create a unique perfume line by the name of Wonderstruck. Swift has proven herself to be awfully business savvy in her 21 years on this planet. Not only has she carefully marketed herself and the products associated with her, but she also took down vendors who were selling counterfeit merchandise with her name and picture on it. It's tough to say I gotta sue somebody, but you gotta do what you gotta do. She continues to captivate America and the world with her enchanting smile. Her fans are growing up with her, taking that step from girlhood into adulthood and learning about the joys and disappointments of life and the thrills and heartbreaks of love. Her albums that she's released have been kind of the same kind of themes. And, you know, there's this lonely girl who's feeling alienated because of her love of country music and a lot of her songs, or there's a, a boy that she used to date and she doesn't anymore. And I think that is working for her. But I think as she gets older, she's going to want to expand and talk about bigger issues. And really, um, she's going to start feeling things, too. So she's, And she writes what she feels. And she's going to start writing what she's feeling. And as a woman growing, you're going to start feeling a lot of different things. So I think we will expect to see a lot of different things from Taylor Swift upcoming here. I believe that throughout Taylor Swift's young career, I believe that she's maintained this innocent core. Yet her writing has progressed in a way since her first song, Lucky You. It's definitely matured because she's obviously matured as a person. And not just... Uh, being being an adult but just through her experiences with uh dealing with this dealing with the music business and with hollywood 
And I think it mature, matures you differently than the average person. She's definitely going to be one of those one of those girls noted for what she does in humanity. I believe that she actually belongs with you know the list of women including like Audrey Hepburn who did all these amazing things for humanity. Um, and she just gives. You know, it's funny, her, her favorite and lucky number is 13, and she writes it on her hand. She, whenever she sees 13, it's like, I'm going to win something today. She was born on the 13th, and her birthday was on Friday the 13th one day when she turned 13, I think. <laughs> I think Taylor will change over the years, but I think she'll still always be the same person. I know her look's going to change, but at heart, she'll still be the same small-town girl that loves her fans and has such a drive to be the best person. Taylor Swift remains optimistic through all of her trials and successes and shows no sign of growing out of her hopelessly romantic nature as America watches her career continue to blossom. I think that if you set your sights low, but you aim for the best, but you expect that you're probably not going to get there, and if you get really, really, really lucky, and you sell three million records, then you wake up every single day with a smile on your face. background about myself. I am from, of course, Arkansas. That is in America, or the United States, I should say. And I come from a family of 12 children. That's a bunch. Dad said there wasn't a hell of a lot to do on the farm except raise corn, cotton, and kids. <laughs> and he did a great job of all that, my dad. But us kids, we kind of kept mom on a pedestal. That was to keep dad away from her. <laughs> so enough for the background. It has been said. But this song here, I don't see how it could have been a... I can, too, because it's related to, I think, the man and the woman more so than the town. Because I don't think in England you have anything like Albuquerque or Phoenix or Oklahoma. But that's what the song is about. You ready, John? Okay. By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising. Find the note I left hanging on the door, and she'll laugh when she reads the part that says I'm leaving, cause I've left that girl so many times before. She'll probably stop at lunch 
She'll turn softly 